came across this story. We talked about this. Well, we talked about laneway suites and how um, Edmonton, Calgary, taking a look at, you know, do we need change zoning to allow for laneway suites, which basically are like you're building a second property of some kind on your existing property. Mother-in-law suites, right? You've heard of those grad suites, things like that. Um, but there are other secondary suites that, you know, basement suites and all the rest of it. And they're really growing in popularity. Not surprisingly, I mean, with the housing crisis that we've talked about, soaring home prices so high that, you know, a lot of Canadians have kind of given up hope that there'll ever be homeowners. Now you got the rising interest rates on top of that. So, you know, Canadians and Albertans starting to get a little more creative when it comes to finding ways to own property. And like I say, some zoning changes, some regulatory changes, making it a little bit easier. So secondary suites are seeing a bit of a boom right now, if they can, because there are issues that they face, just like all the rest of the housing industry does right now. So let's find out what's going on in our province specifically. We're going to chat with Ken Beacondam, who is the CEO and founder of LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's fantastic to uh, to be with you. And to uh, you know what, talk about this very important topic. It is. I think you're right it, it, for a number of different reasons. But first of all, let's just define what we're talking about because when we say secondary units or or secondary suites, it can mean a few different things, right? So how do we define it? Yeah. So a secondary dwelling unit is basically another unit within the principal home. So let's say you have a existing single detached home and you want to convert your unused basement space into another legal dwelling unit. So it's a secondary dwelling unit. It's subordinate to the main principal principal use of, of the house, which is like the single family home. So it's, uh, you know, oftentimes they're a smaller unit, yep. um, but they're within, you know, an existing already built home, um, which, you know, makes great use of our existing housing stock. Um in terms of it's it's just basically a separate entrance it's like it's like a, a separate living space it's not we're not talking because you see this sometimes a room within a house that's not what we're talking about no what we're talking about is a space that has been properly and legally created um and is in full compliance with you know the yeah. applicable zoning bylaw the applicable building code um to make sure that it's a safe legal habitable space you know, in full conformance with the with their requirements. And it's, it's a separate, independent living gotcha. quarters. Okay, and like you say, uh, you know, it's important and there's some upside. So I, I I can see two, maybe there's more, but let's start, first of all, if you're a buyer uh, and you, you're, you're, you're taking a look at making a, a more, it's more affordable if you want to buy a secondary suite in some ways. But I think also if you're buying a property, now you're getting help with your mortgage, right? So it makes it more affordable that way too. Well, look, um, you know, if anybody has tried to qualify for a mortgage recently, uh, you've experienced the pain of rising interest rates and the rising qualifying rates and how expensive it is to actually afford uh, a normal everyday home, right? And so having, you know, for most people, their home is actually a liability. It costs them money every single month. And when you add a legal secondary dwelling, into that home, you're making that liability into an asset, an income-producing asset. You know, this is basic, you know, assets versus liabilities, basic, you know, economics 101 here, financial freedom, right? Um, when you have that income coming in on a regular basis, um, yes, 100%, it helps you qualify for more 
house, more, uh, you know, helps you qualify for that existing mortgage you have, makes life more affordable, you know? Um, and this is why we're seeing such increased demand for this as, you know, um, rates get higher, yeah. as home ownership becomes more expensive, you know, the desire and the need to afford it um, is becoming you know, much more top of mind for people. And like you say, you know, in terms of affordability for the person buying the property, absolutely, of course, you got some help with the mortgage. It makes good sense. But also for people looking to rent or whatever the case may be, we're, we're increasing the housing supply by doing this, which we know is something that we have to do, right? You know what? It's, uh, there's benefits on all fronts yeah. here, right? We have, we have the homeowner, the existing property owner who's benefiting from additional income coming into their life, right, to help them afford what they have. Uh, but we're also creating, you know, a lot of different other housing options for people. And what people need these days are options. Right now, we are so limited on options for housing, right? We need a lot more housing. Yep. Um, and when people create units within their homes, you know, maybe they're converting a, a vacant garage into, uh, you know, habitable space. Maybe they're constructing a new, like, laneway house or garden suite on their property. They're creating more housing options for people. Look, you know, I get it. Not every everybody wants to live yeah. in a basement apartment. But, you know, there's many people who are completely okay with living in a basement apartment um, or a second floor apartment or, you know, we, we do have to be careful with like these in-law suites or these granny flats or, yeah, you know, yeah. when we see that type of terminology out there, to me, like that's a big red flag. That's not a legal, okay. it's not a legal unit, right? Um, well, we see so many realtors, you know, listing properties with the quote unquote in-law suite, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a know, hot plate and, and a bathroom. Yeah, you know, <laughs> nine out of ten times those units weren't created legally, right? Gotcha. Um, and you know, for a lender to qualify you on that income, they want to see that as legal income from a legal space. I'm getting a lot of questions about that in terms of property tax, in terms of you know the legal what you have to do. You can't, like you say, you can't just go and do this yourself. This has to be done legally, and there are implications to all of these different things you're mentioning, Ken. Yeah, you know, so, like, what are some of the basics of, of a legal dwelling unit? Well, you know, there's going to be a minimum height requirement. So, you know, let's just use the basement apartment as our example, okay. here, right? Because that's a very typical example, right? There, there's going to be a minimum height under the building code that we need to achieve on that on that ceiling height or that, that bulkhead height, you know, underneath a beam or a duct in the basement. There's going to be minimum room sizes, right? Like a bedroom has a minimum room size under the building code. A living room, a dining room, a kitchen all have minimum room sizes under the building code. There's minimum natural lighting, right? We need windows in our habitable spaces. So a bedroom, a living room, a dining all require windows for natural light, right? Um, fire separation is a big, is a big item. Obviously we need to make sure that the units are properly fire rated and sound rated from one another um and so like these are the basics of just creating good safe legal housing you know um we're not we're not asking for a lot here we're asking for basics right and that's yeah. what the building code is it's the building code is a minimum standard sure. of health and safety right and does it affect property taxes do you know i mean that this might not be in your wheelhouse but if you do go and build a, a secondary suite does that change what you do for property taxes 
Well, so you got to think how property tax is calculated, right? Just the valuation. The asset, like they're based off the assessment yeah. value of the home, right? So um, when you pull a building permit, you know, the applicant would put on the building permit the the value of that renovation or that construction that right. is taking place, right? Um, then you have, you know, like MPAC would, would come around and, you know, reassess the home and they would use that building permit as evidence as to why the home is now valued more. So, you know, a little trick of the trade here is that, you know, we put a low value on her building permit application so that, you know, later on we don't get taxed, you know, super high um, on that reassessment of the property, gotcha. right? Yep. Um, obviously, like, obviously, yes, a a single-family home that has a legal secondary dwelling unit, income-producing asset, um, you know, it's worth more in the marketplace. Why? Because... When somebody can qualify easier for a mortgage, that opens up that property to so many more people, right? And now we go back to supply and demand. We have a lot more people who now have access to that home because of the income that it produces, and they can qualify for it. There's going to be a lot more people looking at those homes. So this is why we see a lot of first-time home buyers. You know, really these days, you know, when they're looking for a home, they want something that already has a legal dwelling, second dwelling unit in it, or something that they can easily add it. So, other upsides, financial ones. It's not just financial, right? I mean, there's there's other assets or not assets, but um, advantages to having people living in your space, right? Yeah, like you know, um, you know, I'll use myself for example. You know, um, I have a legal basement apartment in my own home, my own principal home, um, and you know, I'm a I'm a single dad. Okay, my wife passed away actually a couple years ago. I'm single. I'm living out on my country property. Uh, and have a legal basement apartment. I have a tenant living there. You know, for me, having that extra person around um, the property and in the home brings an extra sense of security and just having sure. an extra set of eyes on the property, you know? Um, and so, like, there's a lot to be said, you know, just for for having more people around the property, you know, that's probably going to prevent less break-ins or crime or something happening yeah, to sure the property, does, yeah. right? Um, and so there, there's that aspect of it, you know, for sure. What are we seeing in Alberta? I know that, you know, different municipalities are taking a look at changing the rules around these sorts of things and trying to make it a little easier, recognizing that densification is a big plus. Are we starting to see this as a, as a bit of a growth sector, uh, sector in uh, housing in Alberta? Oh, 100%. 100%. You know, like, this is not just an Alberta thing. Uh, this is happening countrywide. Okay, uh, this is actually happening all across the U.S. as well. There's actually many states that already have been having a secondary dwelling unit bylaws in place for many, many years. Um, you know, Ontario has lots of uh, changes happening there as well. Um, 100%. Why? Because this is low-hanging fruit. This is low-hanging fruit. It's easy housing development. It's gentle density is what we call it. It's making use of existing housing stock, existing buildings, existing city infrastructure, existing sewers, sidewalks, water treatment plants. Um, you know, it's bringing population back into some of our neighborhoods that are seeing declining population, um, which affects like enrollment in schools and you know, funding of our of our education systems and hospitals and, and et cetera. Right. So yeah. um, there's a lot of advantages you know, to us as a society, you know, as taxpayers um, that you know, that we're making better use of what we already have, you know? And yeah. then, yeah, 
like you could compound this tenfold and start talking about all the climate benefits and you know and not having to cut down as many trees because we're not building as many new houses like you know there's a lot of benefits 100 percent. oh i i think densification is the key if we're going to actually make a go of this uh the one thing i'm wondering though is we keep hearing about the problems we have building new housing it's got to be the same thing when you talk about building secondary suites i mean with just the trades the labor the, the, the problems and the cost of it right now this is not a, an ideal time is it well, you know, we see it in our office that, you know, with every interest rate hike that happens, we're actually seeing a slowdown in demand. Um, why? Because it's getting expensive. Yeah, sure. Right? Cost of construction is getting expensive. Um, and we do. We have a lot of, uh, we're losing a lot of our skilled trades to retirement, right? Yep, yep. And we don't have enough, you know, for every 14 construction workers that retire, they're being replaced by one yep. person, right? Um, and this is a clear trend. So over the next 10 and 20 years, we're going to have a big issue here in Canada with, with construction workers. No, right? you're so right. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, this is a, this is a big problem, right? And, you know, we need to be encouraging our young people to get into housing construction. You know, I, I, uh, I quit my full-time job in 2018 and I went into full-time, you know, uh, architectural design and construction and, and, you know, focused on secondary dwelling units. Um, and, you know, if I could say anything, you know what, it's a growing, fast growing industry. And so if there's guys out there that are listening, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to have a good, healthy, successful career ahead of you, get into, um, housing construction right now, develop a trade, become a skilled trade, yep. go to, go to a trade school, become an electrician, a plumber, a framer, um, a roofer, you know, become an architectural designer, you know, Maybe become an engineer, a structural engineer, or a civil engineer. We need more of these trades. Um, In a big way. I mean, guys, we did a story last week. There's about a shortage of about 80,000 people right now in the construction industry. 80,000 in Canada. Yeah. Like, you know, we see it. So, like, I work with a lot of building divisions, okay, uh, doing permit submissions and trying to get building permits approved. And all of our building departments are struggling with uh, qualified, you know, building code uh, BCIN designers. You know, um, who can, who have the skill set in the building code and zoning bylaw to actually create these drawings. Um, the building departments are struggling with plan examiners. So we don't have enough plan examiners in our building divisions, um, which just leads to delays on a permit being issued, which, you know, just adds to the cost of construction, adds to your holding mm-hmm. costs, mm-hmm. high interest rates. It's a compounding issue, right? Um, you know, but the problem is, um, you know, no, we are bringing immigrants for the labor shortage, which is important. Um, but, you know, many of the immigrants that are coming in, the skilled trades that we are coming, they're not necessarily landing in the housing sector. They're coming in other sectors um, and they're not actually showing up in the housing industry, which is which is where we need them right now the most. Yeah, we definitely do. Ken, unfortunately, I'm out of time, but thank you so much. Great insight. I appreciate you being here.